you're listening to Find the Good News, episode 49, The Starfish, featuring Kayla Rigney. Find the Good News is produced by Parker Brand Creative Services, a branding agency that thinks sideways, pushes forward, and gets your brand up. See what else we do at parkerbrandup.com. Thank you for continuing to tune in to Find the Good News. I make this show for you, and I hope you'll keep finding something good to listen to each week. Today's episode features Kayla Rigney, the Executive Director of the Calcasieu Community Clinic. Kayla was so genuine and kind. I think you'll feel good listening to our talk. I know I felt good talking to her. We have so many great guests coming up. Next week, we'll be sharing our conversation with Kevin Yadis and the work he's doing to bring awareness and resources to suicide prevention here in Southwest Louisiana. After that, I get to share my conversation with Dewana Tarver, the founder of Dewana's Community Closet, a timely episode with the new school year just around the corner. In the weeks following, I have Jam and Jelly's Hot Sauce, Abby Dixon, Kelly Stowecki, and Brini Dowies. I hope you'll stick around for all of these good people doing good works in our community. In the mix of all these episodes, I may be sharing a personal episode with you. That episode won't have a guest in it. It'll be just me and you, one-on-one. I don't know when that's going to come out exactly, but I expect it'll be sometimes within the next month. I do have to ask you to keep supporting this podcast by liking, subscribing, and sharing all of the links pushed out through my social media feeds. Find the Good News is a free show. So your support through social media and subscriptions is a huge help in my mission to spread the good news far and wide. I think I'll go ahead and wrap up the announcements because it's time to unwind, to meet someone you may have never met before, to get a bug in your brain that nags at you to be better, to do better, to think better thoughts and speak better words. It's time, dear friends, to press play on a little good news. When I sit and reflect on all the people I've encountered in my life, I feel grateful. It's not because every person I've met has been pleasant. I'm just thankful to have encountered the variety. On one end of the spectrum, I've met many people filled with pride and hubris, touching others with the subtleness of a shotgun blast. Sometimes I've been that person. Other times I've met extremely grounded people that choose to affect the world kindly, one day at a time, person to person. It was my good fortune to have that friendly and gentle type come and visit me on Find the Good News in the person of Kayla Rigney. Kayla is the Executive Director of the Calcasieu Community Clinic, a nonprofit free healthcare clinic located on the McNeese State University campus in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Kayla and the staff at the Calcasieu Community Clinic provide medical care to low-income and working uninsured people in the Imperial Calcasieu region. As it turns out, This is the perfect home for a good-natured person like Kayla, and the more I spoke with her, the more I could see the fit. Kayla has a knack for being realistic yet optimistic, grounded and hopeful. She seems to understand whether life brings you troubles or rewards, it is your attitude that makes all the difference in the quality of your life. While the clinic she works for affects the many, Kayla tries to keep her focus on the individuals, the particulars of the people she encounters. She knows their stories, she knows where they come from, and because her heart is open to them, she can genuinely care about them in a personal way. I'd like to adopt more of Kayla's direction in my life, touching people in simple ways, one by one, face to face, not from a distance. I think we could all benefit from that. The world could benefit from that. The world is full of problems. It's easy to get gridlocked. If we take a page from Kayla Rigney, 
If we do one good thing for one person, just a little, when and where we can, then we won't have to find the good news. Like Kayla, we'll be making good news every day. Wake up, it's morning. You're dreaming up a story I can hear. The way it's going, cause you're laughing in your sleep. On the path to your deliverance and a holy wall of light. Old news, bad news, fake news. Sometimes you just want to shut it all down and get no news at all. With Find the Good News, I aim to change that by focusing on good people doing good work. I visit with artists, educators, civic and spiritual leaders, musicians, business owners, students, volunteers, and everyday citizens who are using their creativity, resources, and talents to bring hope and happiness to their corner of the world. In each episode, I dig into the hearts and minds of my extraordinary guests. We have street-level conversations about relatable things going on in their lives, discover the critical life experiences that shape them, the perspectives that drive them, and the fundamental beliefs that are anchoring them to a path of goodness. There's a lot of news in the world. My name is Orrin Parker, and I'm going to find the good. I love you just as well. I hope for that. I mean, you know, on one hand, I guess it's like anybody could do it. Not really. You know, because I mean, I just, I, I used to go to KD's a lot when I was younger. And so, so I think fondly of that time. And that was one of my favorite things was late night coffee talks, you know, and meeting new people. You'd be at a table and you'd hear like I was bad about eavesdropping. Still am. And, uh, Doesn't hurt anything unless you repeat it all over town. Right. Not from a gossipy point of view, but right. sometimes I would hear people talk about things that piqued my interest sure. or something I maybe knew something about. Right. Or, and I would do that all the time. And I would meet new people. I'd go with my friends, but then the stable next to me would be having this sort of maybe a philosophy conversation right. or talking about a book they had read. And I go, oh, I've read that book. I want to know what they think and if what I think is in line with what they think. Yeah. And it was, there was a joy in it. Like, yeah. And then just meeting new people. I didn't, wouldn't say I made a lot of friends that I still have today, but it was just those sort of temporary arrangements. You just sit and have a visit and you may never, may not see each other again, but it was still fulfilling. But you made a difference in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I feel like, uh, I don't guess I've ever said that on this show before, but that's kind of one of the elements I wanted to capture was that feeling of. You know, you can sit down with somebody you don't know and still have a really great, deep conversation right. and not have to end up in a, a, a bad space. Right. So many conversations, I find, <coughs> devolve mm-hmm. into into battle. Or personal agendas. Yeah, or agendas. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So I was hoping maybe to just experiment with that and say, hey, what if, what if the whole point of what we're doing is just to not do that what if we just say hey you know it's literally 100 percent okay to not agree right. and we don't have to end up in this space of negative negativity it's and, not my job to convince you of my opinion nor yours to convince me of yours we just have to respect that each other has a difference of opinion yeah yeah well look we're already going uh-oh yeah that's how <laughs> i do it so um first thanks for coming You're welcome. uh the bridge i know that's everybody who comes as rolling the dice you know so. so so I have to issue my disclaimer. I assume you're going to edit me smart. <laughs> I don't think I've, you know, I don't know that I've talked to anybody on this show yet that I've felt like uh, 
wasn't smart. I mean, everybody's got their own sort of, I guess, egg of knowledge. You know, when we talk, it's like you pierce it and this stuff starts coming out. And I think, man, everybody's had some kind of gift. And I mean, honestly, I'm probably the dumbest person at the table most of the time because (laughs) I just, you know, it's curiosity. I mean, I think if you're curious and willing to be curious and also willing to not know, you know, I think everybody knows what they know and they don't know what they don't know. And I'm definitely one of those people. My husband and I say that to each other quite a bit do you yeah you don't know what you don't know yeah you don't know what you don't know i mean that's right i feel that way when i make a new discovery especially with history i mean i love history but every once in a while i'll land on this usually it's something unfortunate that i just go oh my gosh i didn't know you know this wasn't something that we taught we're taught in school it's not something anybody talks about and i've lived in sort of this delusion you know and so sometimes those things really rest heavy on me and i can't quit thinking about them well the the episode you did recently with the guy that um provides the service of cleaning headstones and graves that was really interesting from a historical perspective wasn't it i enjoyed that one a lot you know that's something he that was a real treat for me i mean for your listeners as well to see somebody who apparently decided um corporate america could wait i found my passion and then discovered a way to make that work for him yeah wasn't that interesting i was impressed i love stories like that yeah not everybody gets that yeah and that's hard i mean i think i think there's just having conversations on the show and in private too i think that most people have something scratching at them from the inside saying some version of that and I might be wrong. I don't know. It might just be the people I talk to, but I, it doesn't take many minutes of talking with somebody for some version of that to start leaking out uh, dissatisfaction with the status quo. And, and I mean, there was a time where maybe I had conversations where that dissatisfaction would lead to the next part of the conversation, which is, you know, I'm going to get a better job. I'm going to get a bigger house. I'm going to get a nicer car. My kids are going to go to better school. We're going to move to a nicer neighborhood. Um, but that's starting to dissolve in the conversations I have where I'm starting to see more people who've maybe already went down that path and go, Oh man, it's just as empty. Well, and the I think gnaw is there too. Maybe for me, it's an age thing. Mm. The older I get, the more I become content with what I have. Yeah. Um, I have enough. Yeah. I have what I need to eat, to live. We live in a home. When you look around, we have it better than the majority of the people. I don't live in the best home in the neighborhood. I don't drive the nicest car, but um, we're happy. Yeah. You know. And I think sometimes you have to look at happiness from from within versus from what you can acquire because that's not gonna that's not gonna bring you there. So you feel like that today? I mean, did you always feel that way? I've always been a pretty content person. Yeah. Um, ambitious, moderately ambitious, not competitive. So I think comp- competition and ambition come in kind of kissing cousins, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't. I don't compete with others. I may compete with myself to do the best that I can do. But um, yeah, I've always tried to make myself be content with where I am and be happy with with where I am. I think overall, my outlook is better if um, if I'm not sitting looking at the other side of the fence. If I look mm. at my side of the fence and be grateful for what I have on my side of the fence versus looking at the other side of the fence and wishing for that. Yeah. Because you're never going to get to every other side of the fence. Do you think 
that that's where discontentment comes from is to look looking uh, at other things and going i want that or i wish i had i think so um i think social media has done quite a bit to bring awareness to people's discontentment if you will because everyone wants to present their perfect self Mm. on social media um and so i think that you know i've read some some interesting psychological viewpoints on it that um, it has brought about an increase in depression because people see what they perceive other people are having um, all the success, all the things, all the happiness, but what they're seeing are snapshots that this person wants us to see. They're portraying a part and you don't see their everyday life. It's very funny. It's when listening to you say that, it's making me think of something that we do when we take pictures that I've started to see other people do. And it's something, uh, I don't know if this is where they got it from, but I know that's where I got it from. And it's the Oprah smile. Uh, have you heard about this? The no. Oprah smile. So I was listening to uh, an interview with Oprah Winfrey and <clears throat> they were talking about the covers to her magazine. And they were like, you always look so happy. Like you, are just having the best time. Right. And she said, Oh, it's it's my it's the yay. And they're like and they're like, What's the yay? And they go, Well when I take pictures, I always say, Yay. <laughs> and then that, I, that's when they take the picture. And I, I went back and looked because I was really curious and I was like, Wow, look at this. I yeah. mean the difference it makes. Now on one hand I went, that's kinda cool. It makes her look happier, it lights her face up, which from a photography point of view, that's what you want. But now I, I have noticed it more. After she called it out, I went back, and now I see people, even in our community, where I go, you can pick them out. And I go, they're not really smiling. It's like, oh, I'm about to take a picture. Let me do my yay. Well, and, and I, I don't think know if I, <laughs> I, I may be guilty of that, yeah. um, especially if I'm doing a selfie because I feel like my smile is contrived otherwise mm, i understand that so yeah. i kind of do too and <laughs> i have too. a tendency if i'm doing a selfie to make a face because it's not serious mm. no selfie i've ever taken has been serious first off i don't do them that often yeah but you know i'm not one that um takes them and posts them as though they're going to be i don't know you're not making portrait. it for like a consumption you're not making no, it for consumption no, right yeah no. um i, I do it that. in a in a not necessarily self-deprecating way but humorous if yeah. you will yeah. yeah um and so there's almost always a face <laughs> yeah I, I i i understand that i mean i um i have trouble with selfies just for my own for me i've never been comfortable with it and i still me either i'm still not comfortable with it i tried experimenting with doing some uh well even that last project that road trip right project you know being on camera is difficult for me and i mean i have to I have to not acknowledge it but i do want to work through it and so doing that does help and i'm learning you know i'm trying to make build a bridge right between the problem which is that i can't be on i don't like being on camera and then the extreme version of that which is always being on camera well and i'm not gonna you know? lie when you invited me to do this i didn't hesitate because there's no camera yeah it makes a difference it does it's funny i um had this talk off pod with a lot of folks and then even especially on pod but uh, i think that's maybe what the unique thing about podcasting is even though we you do you know this show is going to be out there right for consumption by anybody but at the same time it's not live 
Yeah. So that's the difference. You, you can go on the radio and, and that feeling of this is live. I have to say everything just right. I've got to have my stuff together is so different than being on pod where you're going, well, there's a, there's a relaxed nature to it. Well, the only other thing is it's a double-edged sword, too, because live goes away. Uh, and pods. pods are there forever. Yeah. So if you do happen to say something silly, which I'm sure by the time this is over, I will. Um, <laughs> it's there and people can listen to it over and over again. Oh, look, I mean, I, I had that happen. You know, sometimes you can scour and and. And really look, demons are in the details, right? You can look at these pods and edit them and make sure there's no bumps and stuff in them. But uh, you, did you listen to the one with Rex Alexander? I don't know if I did. I, I, I hit them sporadically. Kind of yeah. Right, yeah. And that's, that's kind of how I am, too, with other shows. Well, Rex and I, um, we were doing the show, and we were we had been talking for a while. And he asked if... Um, we were going to take a break and we had talked before pot about having because i have some whiskey i said well let's have a drink while we do the show well i usually don't stop recording when we take a break i do that in editing and so i guess i do not know how i did this but i left the whole segment in there where we go hey let's go get a drink and so you can hear us walk away and go into the kitchen and talk about the whiskey and it's all just like faint and i didn't even realize i left that in there i don't know how i skipped it but my wife was listening to it and she goes yeah that's that's the one where you left the the whiskey thing in there and i go what what are you talking about it's real life i said well that's real life yes i mean that's authentic And, and on one hand i was a little bit like oh man i really didn't want to leave that in there but on the flip side, it's a better portrait. Absolutely. We don't need to portray perfection. That's right. There are so many people in our community that are working to that end, I think. Like, I see so many more voices out there encouraging people to be authentic, especially women. I really don't see as, I don't hear it as much from men, but there are a lot of women in Southwest Louisiana who that's sort of their mantra, you know, to let yourself be authentic. Well, and then, you know, I look at it this way. I've got to be me because trying to be somebody else is way too much work. Yeah. Well, speaking of you. Yes. Let's talk about you. Oh, no. So, I... I, you know, I always love that I know some things about people, but I don't know what I don't know is a lot. There's a lot more to it. Um, so I met you through the Calcasieu Community Clinic. Correct. Yeah. I think you were doing, you might have been producing the annual report for the United Way. Maybe so. And That's did right. some photography at the clinic one evening. That's right. Uh, with Cassandra. Absolutely. That's, That's right. God, That's how I remember many it. Many years ago. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. And so I know we did your website. Um, yes. Which is remarkable and so easy for me to navigate. Do you and, still, you're still able to get in there and do what you need yeah. to do? Yeah. Well, you fixed it. Um, yeah. It, it. It transferred from one, one mechanism to another, but you helped me get into that. And yeah, so I, I can, that. because I have to update it annually when the federal poverty guidelines change. Oh, okay. So it's important for me to be able to go in and adjust those numbers as I need to so that the information that we portray to the community is accurate. So if I've, I mean, gosh, so I did that in like 2012 oh. or something like that. 2000 That's, a while back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, how long had you been there before that? I started the Calcasieu Community Clinic in 2008. Were you a part of the the ground floor? No. Okay. So how long has it actually been? 2001. Okay. They opened the doors in February 2001 for the first time. almost 20 years. Yeah. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. So, so can you just tell me about it? I mean, I, I don't know because I, I talk about it to people and I don't always feel like I have my arms around it 100%. I'll give, I'll give you my elevator speech. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're a private nonprofit free health care clinic that serves people who are working and without health care insurance who live in the five parish area known as Imperial Calcasieu. Okay. Um, there are income constraints. Um, your household income has to be at or below 300% of the federal poverty level, which actually for a single person, that's a pretty decent income. It's it's about $35,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Um, just because someone is bringing in that kind of money doesn't mean that they can afford to buy insurance. Because as you probably know, being self-employed, insurance premiums are skyrocketing. And yeah. even if you can buy on the health care exchange with a stipend, um, that doesn't always come without hooks and strings. Um, my daughter has purchased through the health care exchange because she works for a church and they don't have health care insurance. And so at the end of the year, when we claim, you know, file her taxes, if she goes over what she reported her income was projected to be when she filled out that form she has to pay back some of that oh, okay um and you know it's a godsend for her because otherwise she would not be able to afford insurance on the open market and she does get a little stipend um but should she decide that that wasn't for her her income would put her within the guidelines to see us and she has a good job yeah um so it's not just people who are laborers or oh, right in the service industry or things like that who come to see us we you know we see people who may work uh for the calcasieu parish school board and but yet they need to bring home all of their money to take care of their family they can't afford to pay for part of the insurance a lot of times they'll pay for the employee but they can't cover the spouse yeah and so you know we that's where we pick up you oh know, wow pretty much anything you would see a family practice doctor or an urgent care for um we're open once a week. We utilize volunteer physicians, pharmacists, nurses, and laypersons to provide the services. Um, we've been a United Way agency since 2003. Uh, we receive a stipend from them in order to help offset the cost of providing the care. We have a state-licensed pharmacy. Um, on, on site? On site, yes. Um, so if a patient comes in, let's say in theory, with what they think is a sinus infection, they'll come in and see the doctor or nurse practitioner, um, be diagnosed and then prescribe medication and in many cases they leave with that medication by the time they leave that on a Thursday evening Wow so and we do we see patients uh, beginning at four o'clock in the afternoon we try to be mindful of uh, the fact that a lot of them are hourly rate employees and so if they miss work they miss their money yeah no that's true yeah so we try to do it at a time where it's convenient for them that if they do have to leave work early maybe it's only an hour that's wonderful we try to be wonderful. You do, have you seen, and I mean, as the years have went by, do you see feel like you see an increase in people that are in that particular zone? You know, zone? It, it waxes and wanes. Um, when I first started, we were seeing around 20 to 25 people a week. Um, and then the Affordable Care Act came online in 2010. Um, and the way that it had been presented was that it was law. Everyone had to have health care insurance. Well... In reality, you can't get blood out of a turnip. If you don't have the money for health care insurance before the law, you don't have the money for health care insurance after the law. Um, there was a little sweet spot, though, for persons earning about 150 percent 
of that federal poverty level. So we did see some patients who went on the exchange and got health care insurance for uh, minimal out-of-pocket. Okay. Um, and then the federal government also bought down their deductible, which allowed them to be able to use the health care insurance. I see. Um, so we lost some patients in... Um, the early days of the Affordable Care Act. And then in 2016, um, Governor Edwards expanded Medicaid to capture persons who are working and earn up to 138% of the federal poverty level. And then at that point, we lost a few more patients. So we're still getting new patients coming in, but the trend that I've identified is that they're not quite as sick as the old patients that we used to see. Interesting, okay. Um, a lot of times those the old patients, the ones that bought the health care insurance, two things, they've probably gotten to the age where they would have aged out of our program anyway. They would have been picked up by Medicare. I see, okay. Um, and then the other thing is is that they were probably the ones who really needed the insurance and they're using the insurance. Yeah. Um, which kind of dispels the myth that the young healthy people would go and buy the insurance and the older sick people would buy the insurance and then they would, their financial stability would cancel it out and make for a great program. The younger healthy people aren't buying the insurance. Okay. So, um, you know, they're kind of well they're healthy so they don't feel like they have to have it and I then see. now they repealed that individual mandate right so there's no tax penalty if you don't buy the insurance right so we're seeing a few more people coming in um but those who are on re repetitive medications for example for diabetes hypertension uh, depression things like that we don't see quite as many of those as we used to and i'm happy i know it if you're like me, then you've got a long wish list of things you need to do around your house. Things you just can't get to. It's not that I don't want to do them, but between my responsibilities at work, producing this show, and squeezing in some valuable mental downtime, I can't seem to get around to fixing the small stuff, and the big stuff is just waiting in line. To be honest, it kind of stresses me out. Maybe you're stressing out too. Well, stress no more because I've got good news. My friend Ben Von Duke has started a handyman service and he takes the mystery out of getting these things done. Ben Von Duke is not just some guy that calls himself handy. He knows what he's doing and he knows a whole lot. Not only is he an experienced and professional carpenter, but he's kind of a duke of all trades. What I love is that he's created an a la carte price list of services so you don't have to worry about getting in your pockets too deep before you're ready. He'll fix your running toilet, install appliances, replace fixtures, install ceiling fans, repair sheetrock and concrete, and a whole lot more than that. Look, I'm not too proud to say this, but sometimes it takes me three times as long to fix something because I've got to get online and search videos just to figure out what tools I need. Then I have to go buy the tools that I don't have and then kind of sort of come home and do the job. I don't have to do that anymore because Ben Von Duke will do it and do it better. On top of all that, he's just a good person, someone you can trust. He's honest, he's kind, and those are things that I value highly, and I bet you do too. You can get a hold of Ben Von Duke, the Duke of all trades, the good old-fashioned way, by using the phone. Call or text Ben at 337-540-1355. That's 337-540-1355. One three five five. He'll send you his service and price list, and trust me, his prices are more than fair. And do me a favor: when you do message Ben at three three seven five four zero one three five five, 
Tell them you heard about the Duke of All Trades on Find the Good News. So y'all do see patients that have those that <laughs> like that, like mental health? Uh, I mean, mild mental health. Like, give me, um, can you give me an example, like where the fences are in that? Simple depression. Simple depression, mm-hmm. not like bipolar disorder things. No, like that. and there's reasons for that. Uh, the first reason is because if a person is um, having issues with bipolar disorder, mm-hmm. it's in their best interest for them to see the same healthcare provider over and over. Yeah. And we can't offer that luxury because we work with volunteers. I see. So I may okay. have a patient come six times in a year and see four different providers. Yeah. Um, um, I also find that a lot of times um, providers have a tendency to have a favorite medication, and one doctor's favorite medication may not be another doctor's favorite medication. So um, if you see the same provider, that treatment plan is going to be more consistent. Okay. The second thing is that we do not provide any kind of narcotics or controlled substances. hmm for several reasons. One, you have a lot of reporting you have to do to the Louisiana Board of Pharmacy. And two, if I did, I would have a line around the building every Thursday for people wanting narcotics and controlled substances. So back whenever the clinic was founded, they decided just to to not get in that business at all. And a lot of times um, patients who have the more moderate to severe mental health disorders do require controlled substances in order to keep them maintained. Yeah. Interesting. God, so so fascinating to me. So what was your knowledge base whenever you came on in 2008? Well, I have had a really eclectic career path, if you will. Um, in 1993, 94, I went to work for the Samaritan Counseling Center. Okay. Worked there for two years, left there, went to work for Henning Methodist Church in Sulphur, oh, okay. worked there for eight years, and then I worked to went to work for um, a home health agency. Um, they are no longer around, but I worked for them for six years. And so um, I got a lot of exposure to um, health care issues. Uh, disease processes and things of that nature when I worked for the home health agency. Um, I was originally an office manager. Then I moved into marketing for about two and a half years, then into administration and then to a regional administration position. And um, then the company made some changes and I was one of the changes. But I kind of felt like there was something coming down the pipe. So I'd already put out a couple of feelers and... um, I like to tell the story. I had the interview for this job on the same day that they invited me to find another job. So that worked out well, Um, quite serendipitous. And uh, during the interview, which I'll tell you, it was probably an hour and a half long, five people. They put me through my paces. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) really. It was a real interview. It was a real intense interview. Um, And at the end, they said, well, um, you know, we haven't talked about salary. Um, Oh, save that for last. And I said, well, I can tell you I'm a whole lot more affordable now than I was at two o'clock this afternoon so oh wow so it all did line up that's strange god takes care of you yeah and um as it happened it was between hurricanes gustav and ike okay and um remarkably i was only out of work for 12 days wow so had i known that i'd have made better use of those 12 days yeah um i did a lot of worrying then did you a lot of praying well yeah i didn't want to be out of work i'm not an out of work person no i understand yeah so 
That's so it something. worked out. And, you know, I thought I liked the other job that I have, and I did. At the time, I liked it. But like you say, you don't know what you don't know. I love the job I have now. Yeah. Love it. How, how has it changed you? I mean, has it changed you or has it made you? I mean, obviously, I don't even know if I like the word change. Sometimes I like to say it makes something makes you more you. Everything in this world has a tendency to change you. Mm. Um, with each experience you have, good or bad, you evolve into whatever it is you're supposed to be. Um, so, you know, I think as long as you're above ground, you should be continually evolving. Yeah. Based on whatever you happen to go through, even on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Um, it's met, it's brought awareness for people who are out there working and trying to do the best they can they just don't have all the tools to do everything and you know um when i would go out and do public speaking on the clinic i would tell people you know i was a stone's throw away from being a patient really because yeah yeah, we were a household of three on one income Mm -hmm. um and we do accept people who has one who have one spouse working um, or who have been short-term unemployed they lost their job and they're looking for another one but they're just in between yeah um i love the people that we serve they yeah. are hard-working people they are out there doing everything they can to make their lives better for themselves and their families they just don't have the income earning power that you and i have yeah i, I think about that all the time it's so so easy and i see a lot of this sentiment in the world today unfortunately to just disregard other people and and, and think that because they don't have the blessings you have that it's all their fault and that oh well you know it's it that's them this is me and i just can't i can't accept that i've never been able to accept it and now granted have i done enough to help the other probably not but that still aches my heart i just can't accept that well and a lot of times it's it's opportunity it's being sure. at the right place at the right time it's knowing the right people not everyone has those kinds of connections it's interesting it reminds me of a birthday party i went to many years ago and you know i've always been kind of got us just being honest i mean i've always felt a little outside of the um the upper echelon circle oh me too you know i don't come from wealth uh or a lack of hardships you know i mean i had i've got it better than a lot of people Mm -hmm. had a lot more opportunities than a lot of people and i've had to make my own way too but i went to a birthday party um it's hard to tell stories sometimes because what's the best way to tell it without you know but just to be honest, okay, let me just say it like this. I went to the party. Uh, we were invited, and it was that was very kind to invite us to the party. But when I got there, I really felt like a man apart. Now, whether that was the truth or whether that was my own perception, right. I, I'm fully willing to accept that it, it's probably my own perception. Perception At least, is reality. Yeah, a large chunk of it was my state of mind. So I kind of kicked into observer mode, which is where I I go in those types of things. Mm -hmm. I mean, for some people, they'd say it's like being a wallflower, but I just kind of went inside myself and I almost was like taking a ride inside my body, just looking. And it was a weird night because what I saw was a lot of opportunity and wealth and just things that I go, man, this is not the world I come from. 
Right. You know, the amount of money being spent at this one thing for to celebrate one person's life was just blowing my mind. And the longer I stayed, the more the more it kind of sort of scratched at who I was. I was like, this isn't the place I'm supposed to be. But later on in the evening, uh, there was a band there. And the band had been hired, expensive band, you know, as as it as it would be at this type of event. And the band, one of the the lead singers, was kind of celebrating the birthday person's birthday, and uh, they said something that just stuck with me, and I still even today think about it. They were talking about the the person they were celebrating and how much success they'd had, and then he said, "But you know, in all fairness, and to this person's credit." They said they were groomed for their success. And I was like, huh. And I thought about that a lot after that night. How many people just sort of have this gel- gelatinous buffer around them their, throughout their whole lives? And it's just the wealth of the family or the connections of the family and sort of real life out on the ground and the dirt and the mud and the struggle sort of never never happens and what happened i guess i just started to wonder what does that do to a mind a, a human being's mind when there's no when suffering and sort of troubles never seem to ever get through the gelatin you know it's well, an interesting thing i just I, I wonder what it does and if there's a lot more of that out there than we realize that's that's like well that's that's maybe where the apathy comes from sometimes and, and then true you know you think about this too um maybe they experience life's trials a little differently differently yeah 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 um because they've got to be out there i mean no one gets through life without having trials and tribulations right um, there's some version of it in their right, life of right. some kind um and so you you sometimes wonder if people who who have lived in that who come from wealth and and have never really had anything that that we judge as right. trials and that comes from our perspective right right they've got to be experiencing something right because nobody nobody escapes it i mean i right. think about it a lot like because sometimes that very story of of being groomed and opulence and and, and total comfort is the beginning of the story of somebody having a great awakening you know i mean i think about that a lot when i think of the buddha's story you know i i I constantly am looking around the world and seeing that story play out i go you know this prince wealth protected from pain suffering death old age sickness and that became the very catalyst which created that extreme view when he finally did experience pain old age sickness and death it went oh okay it cleaved you know that life for him and i think sometimes that yeah it's a deep reflection i guess well and i know for me um i'm not wealthy so i never have to worry about someone befriending me only because of what i can buy them or get them or do for them right yeah you know and not you know, there are other people that I see sometimes that I think they go through relationships, good and bad, and and there is that sense of having been used. Mm, sure, sure. Yeah, used. I, I get that. I mean, I think sometimes, um, and again, I don't know what other people are like, but there's maybe they've all experienced this, and maybe you've experienced it too. Like, I've felt like that before in my life where I felt like... 
less a person, more a thing to do a, a, um, an act, uh, something to be used up. Right. And, you know, just a resource. Well, and then, and, and I have actually, I, I have, I've had several, what you call transient friendships and, and, you know, once you get over the hurt of being, of feeling that way, then you think, well, you know, maybe God put us together for a specific purpose, and the specific purpose may have been to get that person through whatever it was they were going through. In other words, it wasn't all about me. Yeah. It was about this person who had lost a significant other in their life, and they were lonely, and we reached out. And once they found their sea legs again, they moved on. Right. And that's, I've had that happen too. Right. And I think a lot of people have now that you say that. I mean, I, I talk to people like that. It's another one of those stories that tends to rise up. And I wonder, I, I've thought about this quite a bit and have become okay with it as I've gotten older. It's like, this was meant to be for just a time. Right. And that's okay. That and it was and just that's kind of how I reconcile myself because, you know, there were times that you felt hurt at being left out or, sure. and of course, social media is famous for doing that for you. Um, <laughs> right. And, you know, you were, you would, might be like, well, gosh, I really wanted to go to that or I really wanted to do that with them. Uh-huh. But then you stopped and you thought, well, maybe I had a hand in building that person's security level and their confidence, and that's why I was put in their life. And yeah. so at that point, it's okay, you know, because chances are if I got to wherever it was, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming a homebody in my old age. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes you go out and you're like, I just would rather be at home, hanging out with my husband and my dogs and my pajamas and, you know, dabbling in what I like to dabble in versus yeah. being out and on. Do, no, I get and that. And being on. I, I understand that completely. I feel everything you're saying. How can I ask you? I mean, if it's no offense to you, how old are you? I was born in 1962. 1962, mm-hmm. okay. So that makes me 57 in December. Wow, I wouldn't have guessed that. That's why I was asking you, saying your old age. I'm like, okay, I'm over here staring at you going, how old is she? Because well, I, I hope I'm past the halfway point, you know? <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed, though, well, that, that age. I'm not trying to compliment you. I'm just saying it's it. It's okay I, it if you compliment me. I'm not weird about it. <laughs> it just surprised me. Because uh, I sometimes I have those same sentiments. I would rather be having smaller more meaningful experiences than than big extravaganzas you know well and i was also you know i'm an only child oh and so um spent my lifetime knowing how to entertain myself yeah and um i love people don't get me wrong i absolutely one of those few weirdos who loves people but i also am totally okay with being by myself yeah i'm the same way i can totally relate i you know, I don't know what other people think, but sometimes I can sense that I come off, I'm a little standoffish with people because I, I do fear people. I love people. It's weird. It's like both elements. I mean, I really do love people when I get to know them. And You're just a little them. introverted. I'm very much so. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, and that comes from, I wasn't an only child, but the f- real formative young years of my life uh, when I didn't have any siblings, you know, I was the oldest. And so, and I spent a lot of time with my grandmother and I, I was just thinking about this the other day. I was telling my wife, I was cooking a pot of beans in our, in a cast iron uh, pot and uh, just the smell was re-stimulating all these memories. And I told her, I said, you know, 
this just cracks open this whole little nook in my mind Mm -hmm. of spending winter days at her house in front of her fireplace and she would have red beans and rice hanging on this arm inside the the, um the fireplace and she'd be napping and i would be awake and i would just play under her giant kitchen table yeah you know and and listen to the fire crackle and smell the beans and sausage and chicken in there and i just i don't know that was like a whole universe to me Mm -hmm. and i was totally fine with that i could do that all day and i long for that sometimes sure you know that um that rhythm of just being with your own self it was very comforting it's to sim- me. it's a simple life yeah and i think there's so much in our world now that we're overstimulated um with electronics and television and media and all the things that are coming at us from various devices that that your mind sometimes has to reset through simple things mm-hmm, for sure um, I went through a time where I had read an article about um, t- uh, tablets, iPads and mm-hmm. Android tablets, um, kind of causing ADD in kids. Mm. And once I really kind of got into the article, I saw how it could do that because you have instant gratification at your fingertips. And if you're playing one app and you get bored with that well you just close it out play another one you close it out and you play another one and uh, as i'm reading this article i'm thinking holy moly this is me Mm. and Mm. so because i'll sit with an ipad in my lap and i'll play solitaire and i'll look at facebook and i'll look at instagram and i'll check my email and answer a text message and you know so you've got all of this stimulation at your fingertips and i thought okay so i need to reset and yeah. so i took up coloring oh wow got myself some pencil colors in an adult coloring book and i would sit there and color and kind of retrain my mind into concentrating on one specific thing for an extended period of time yeah i, I get that i really get that it's interesting i I find nature things in nature not just going to take a walk in the woods or which i do love but i like it when there's a nature event and what i mean is like a thunderstorm or Mm -hmm. even a rainbow or something that's only going to be there temporarily because i can especially a thunderstorm it's one of my favorite things to do don't get to do it enough but uh, i love to go sit outside and just watch a storm develop and and just the sounds and the light and the wind and they're all different there's never the same thing that's going to happen and and that can can really uh really take my mind and just give it a massage Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and untie a lot of knots for me we went to the gulf me and the boys the other sunday and didn't take much convincing, you know, to get them to go. But they were like, well, what are we going for? I was like, no reason. We just drove a 28-minute drive. You mm-hmm. know, let's go. Because it's there. Yeah. So we went, you know, with enough time for the sun to kind of go down. And I, I was sat out there, and I had my prayer beads, and I, I said, you know, a couple hundred mantras while the ocean, while the waves were crashing. And I, after I finished, I was still sitting there, and I kind of looked, and my teenage son was just kind of sitting doing nothing Mm -hmm. and then my other little boy was running in the waves and digging holes and we were all having a different experience with the same uh same nature together but separate yeah together but separate Mm -hmm. separate exactly and i thought boy this is nice this is something that is very difficult to accomplish 
when there's devices and there's schedules and there's calendars and there's the, none of this, these sounds are here. There was, there's nothing to hold your attention out the there. The distractions and distract were you. minimal. That's right. Yeah. You know, the sound of the waves is just capturing you and sort of soothing you. And I'm happy. I know it. Look, as much as I enjoy talking on Find the Good News about making a change, I'd be less than honest if I didn't admit that change is hard sometimes. I should get more quiet time. I should exercise more, walk more, sleep more. And the one thing that I know I should do without a doubt is eat better, healthier, and fresher. But there's a wide berth between knowing something and actually doing something about it. I love to cook, but just like those other should-dos, I don't always make the time. This is where I have to tell you about Fresh Fuel because it takes procrastination out of my way. Fresh Fuel is a fresh take on getting healthy, wholesome, and satisfying foods in your life as a kickstarter to critical change that lasts. When you sign up for a Fresh Fuel program at thefreshfuel.com, you'll find tiers for your specific level of can't get up and go. I know I found mine. My friend and founder of Fresh Fuel, Megan Abraham, wants to do one thing and one thing only. She wants you and your family to eat healthier, delicious, home-cooked meals. That's it. With Fresh Fuel, Megan has taken all of the I can't do it out of putting better meals in front of the people you care about. And she's quick to remind that one of those people should include you. Go to thefreshfuel.com and choose the program that's right for you. Megan provides you with the recipes, supply lists, links, videos, goals, and very important here, access to the Fresh Fuel Facebook group where you can connect with other fresh fuelers, real people just like you and me making the same journey. What I love most about meal prepping with Fresh Fuel is that you don't have to do it alone. Megan is right there with you every step of the way making the same changes you are. Fresh Fuel isn't a diet. It's a life change for those of us that just have trouble changing. Since I signed up for Fresh Fuel, I'm cooking more, eating better, and honestly, I'm feeling better too. I believe in Fresh Fuel so much that I asked Megan to offer Find the Good News listeners a chance to try it out at a discount. Just go to thefreshfuel.com, select one of Megan's signature programs, Fresh Fuel 28, the 28 Plus, or the 28 Pro plan, and then enter the code GOODNEWS to get 10% off your program. That's 10% off a Fresh Fuel signature program by visiting thefreshfuel.com and entering the code GOODNEWS. Fresh Fuel has been good news in my life, and I'm betting that thefreshfuel.com will be good news for you too. So anyway, I don't know. I made a decision. We've, we've been trying this summer to, instead of taking a big vacation, we're trying to take weekend trips. You know, just go do something cultural or even local, whether it's just go listen to music, but make sure the boys get to experience those different things. Mm-hmm. And so they don't feel like, and again, I, this is going to sound probably out there, but I don't always feel like you have to take a big vacation. Very few times can I think of a big vacation that's really been a vacation for me. Right. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of pulling and hauling. But these little day trips are just, they're bite-sized and mm-hmm. they're totally doable. Not a lot of resources are expended and you can slow down and actually just 
be where you're at. Right. It's been so different, and I've enjoyed doing that. Little palate cleansers. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think in, in one hand, I think going looking forward to a big vacation to some degree for me, and again, I don't know if this is true for everyone, but it's been... Um, it's almost more chasing, if it makes any sense. Like I build it up when I have those things. I build it up. It's bigger and bigger. There's so many more logistics. Right. And it becomes this sort of thing that if it isn't good, you've put all this energy. And it's almost like a perfect illustration of um, how you create suffering for yourself, if that makes any sense. You set something up on this pedestal, and then when it isn't to what your your standard you think it's going to be, then you're you're upset or you're sad or you're disappointed. It's the expectation disappointment yeah. connection. So I, when I think of vacation, sometimes that that frightens me because I go, ooh, this is a strange little path I might enter here. We uh, <laughs> we used to take trips to uh, Guadalupe River. Oh wow! In New Braunfels, yeah. I have a friend who owns a campground down there, and nice. the campground has cabins. And uh-huh. so, which I use the term cabin a little loosely. It's a it's a log cabin with a double bed and an air conditioner. Okay, so, so it's like just a little hard sided tent. Of a cabin, right? Yeah. Okay. So you are um, almost completely self contained with regard to having to bring everything that you need. Hmm. And don't get me wrong, I loved those trips. They were so much fun. But like you say, you know, it was the making of the list and the planning and the checking off and the putting everything in the Rubbermaid tub and the making mm-hmm. sure you have what you need, but not so much that, you know, and I was telling my husband the other day, we haven't been in years because we've got dogs now. And I think it would probably cost us as much to board the dogs as we would pay for the trip. Yeah. And um, and plus, we like the dogs. so I don't like to leave them. And so um, he said, you know, I miss being there, but I don't miss preparing to get there. Mm, that's a great way to say it. Yeah. And I thought the same thing. You know, if I could just blink my eyes and be there. And have everything I need there. Yeah. And then blink my eyes and get home because I hate the coming home part too. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it's the the preparation which falls on mom and dad most of the time. I I tr- I have um had experiences even with like going to family reunions. I'm not very good at small talk. Uh, which is ironic because that's what you're doing right now. Yeah, I wonder though. I like this this it's small talk with a intent to continue to go far into. Sure. But I'm not very good at I guess I should define what small talk is. Like I'm not very good at um did you watch the game? Right. Or yeah. um how many miles a gallon you get on that? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I, okay, so I'm not very good at that kind of thing and what I find is when I go on group trips with people, especially with with individuals I don't know, I somehow <laughs> somehow get stuck in those things and and I end up devoting like 50% of my mind to pretend like I really care and, and present but the other 50% is just kicking and screaming going mm-hmm. you hate this is miserable for you yeah walk away go away just right. go to what go away and uh, so I, I always have those types of things that may are deterrents for me on big trips with right. groups I'm just yeah. like you know, I just don't know. I have a friend. Um, she and I are of like mind, um, weird, eclectic, and, and we like to make stuff. Yeah. And and we'll start things at home, but then, you know, back to the old D word, the distractions of everyday life get into the middle of it. So we have started doing um, 
we call it our craptastic extravaganza and nature <laughs> retreat. Okay, so tell we, me about this. We pack up a whole bunch of stuff and we get in her vehicle and we drive to central Louisiana to her family's camp. Okay. And then we unpack all of our supplies and we make stuff. Yeah, wow. Okay. Um, we did it at Christmas time and we made ornaments and vintage uh, uh, collages and just weird stuff. We did it again about you know, three or four weeks ago and um, painted thrift store paintings weird stuff uh-huh. and, you know we're we're weird things crack us up and so that's kind <laughs> of our principle behind these but but you know it's up in the in the woods in central louisiana so in the middle of all of this to make it sound official we will take nature walks yeah. and things like that yeah and um we sip on wine for our creative um inspiration yeah. and things like that and that's my kind of trip you know it's yeah. gotten to where and my husband will do a trip similar with his buddies and they go play golf okay and that and they eat meat and that's his <laughs> kind of trip yeah. you know so yeah. um you know just that don't have to bring fancy clothes don't have to put on makeup you get to exercise your brain you talk with someone who's like-minded or if you don't say anything no one's offended no right, one's asking if you're okay right. you know that yeah are you okay right that yeah. kind of thing and that makes it you know just very organic mm-hmm. and and the ebb and flow is there and it's hard to find people like that yeah you know? it is i don't have i mean me and I, I might be speaking out of term without her not being here but i would say that's what i love about michelle my wife right. is that she's very um I would say stoic and easy to just sort of uh, go do anything with. I and, mean, and Bruce and I are like that as well. Um, we married in 2002, but we had known each other for 14 years before that. So yeah. um, it was just kind of a, a marriage of friendship in addition yeah. to the romantic side of it, which, you know, I find that that's a little bit cliche. I got to marry my best friend. Yeah, but but I, I get it. But essentially, those are the ones that seem to work out really well yeah i mean i can't speak for her again i mean i can only go off of what i I, my own internal musings but i mean i think that that's exactly how i would describe it i mean i I actually was very worried when our could even all those years ago like when our relationship started to turn romantic Mm -hmm. i was uh scared of that because she was such a good friend to me and I really enjoyed her company and yeah so you know what I'm talking I about do. it was like yeah. and so the fe- I had started having this really I don't like, want to mess this up yeah I honestly if I'm being honest and truthful full disclosure I started to almost run away from that relationship because I thought well if this be, turns romantic then it's going to head to these other places because I, I too had been I'm divorced and it, that did happen and well, so I had this fear because you know? everything up until that point hadn't worked out yeah and I go God you know, am I going to watch my friendship turn you know ugly and i don't Mm -hmm. want that i'd rather just stay here (laughs) and uh aren't you glad you didn't yeah i am glad and you know i think i've she and i've talked about that as as the years have went by she started now that we've had this conversation she's like looking back i see some of your behaviors as Mm -hmm. as definitely indicative of what you're describing like this deep sort of like almost like scar tissue ptsd well (laughs) and it kind of you're you're fighting the the natural predisposition to run towards but then you've got this 
intellectual monkey on your back that's saying, yeah, but before, yeah, but don't you remember what happened right, before? Yeah. And so it's all, it's this internal push pull. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's a hard thing to struggle with that reactivity. Like sometimes that is a good thing because it can keep you out of trouble. Right. But on the flip side, it can also keep you from new, delightful, positive experiences as well. And I, I've struggled with that. I mean, that, um, fight or flight type of mind mm-hmm. and I, I try to watch it and catch it now but it takes work i mean years of work to especially if you have a bunch of triggers yeah yeah <laughs> well and it takes self-awareness and i find that that's something that you know develops as you mature yeah and not not just because you're old it's <laughs> not everybody who's old is matured well, that's but true. um but you know you have to kind of want to know what triggers you you have to want to know what makes you do certain things and what causes a reaction so that you especially if it's a negative reaction so that you can avoid that reaction yeah that's one of my things i don't like negativity i don't like negative people um people whose knee-jerk reaction is always to oppose something before Mm -hmm. they even really realize what it is that they're looking at yeah um I just, you know, a great example of that, and it goes back to social media, is happens online all the time. Because um, I see stories, I try to tune the dials, but there's still information that gets in that really mm-hmm. just starts getting in my heart or my mind. Like sometimes I try to be cautious about which one that is, but um, and guilty too. I've done this where I will read an article, and because I'm not, boy, I'm jumping all over. So. I'm not a big fan of headline skimmers because I've been a headline skimmer, mm-hmm. right? But I don't want to do that. So I try to not and go, okay, if this is tr- if this headline's triggering me, I almost now make it a habit to go purposely. Even if it's something I go, oh, it's probably not real. I still want to go read it. Right. In doing that, what I've discovered is there's information out there that's just old information. Mm-hmm. Four-year-old stories, five-year-old stories that are being put out there. And I definitely don't want to be one of the the fake newsers. I mean, I don't like that mantra. But at the same time, uh, I think sometimes things are just shot out there to get a rise. And -hmm. and people forget that there's advertisers behind a lot of that information, you know, trying to get you to get in there because they're paying for clicks. Mm -hmm. And so I say all that because we, we have to watch what we're consuming, like vigilantly, even more than we ever have before, I think. Well, and I think a lot of times, rather than to fall victim to clickbait, if you see a headline, you can maybe even take it to Google and type in something similar and see what all hits based on what you've asked for. Because then you're probably going to get maybe several different articles written from several different media sources, and then you can read all of them and come to your own conclusion versus being spoon-fed what they want you to think. But let me ask you something. That's that's one I would – I actually, that's exactly what I, I've learned to do over the last few years. Do you think that a lot of people are doing that? I mean, just your opinion. I mean, what do you see? Because I see less of that than I I don't know. I think people are so busy that they are more apt to just take what's given to them um, than to dig deeper, uh, drill down on a specific topic, and make an informed decision. Right. Um, I personally don't like politics. Right. No, I don't love it either. So, you know, a lot of that stuff, I just... Right. What's going to happen is going to happen, and so I just kind of... 
and I know that's not right. I should probably be more involved, but, um, you know, like Facebook, I'm kind of eh, on it. I yeah. like I like puppies and kittens and kids and funny stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you start posting a bunch of political stuff, if you start sharing this story and that story and, you know, I'm liable to step back, yeah. you know. I'm definitely guilty of both. I try to share good information, yeah. but then it's of course everybody's their own. Uh, but you have to also like do your homework to make sure, right. like you said before, that it's legitimate information right. first off. Are you sharing? Am I sharing something that's legitimate? And right. then also, what's good? I mean, I ask myself that all the time. Like there's so so often the things I'm sharing are things that I care about, but to somebody else, it's just negative. Well, it's like, well, you I don't know, care about that. I don't want to see that. And that's why scroll on by is so such a neat feature. <laughs> yeah. um, right. But, um, you know, you also, and I am a little bit, I don't know, maybe it's a security issue. Um, when you share something, suddenly people start offering their opinions on mm, it right when you're like that's not really why i did this right you, know, you right, get right, some right. long lost cousin friend from wherever who's got this really strong opinion about what you just shared yeah and then it stirs up everybody who's in the thread who may have been saying oh wow that's good information you know yeah. so i don't know i kind of I don't know. Sometimes I know what you mean. You don't want to kick the ant bed. And so you have to be really sure that what, like, for example, I shared something a while back about um, energy drinks and teenagers and and adults as well and and increasing um, the risk of stroke, which I didn't do what I just said I should have done. I didn't Google and look at several options. And so, you know, I read the article. It made sense from a physiological standpoint and i just felt like you know there's a lot of kids out there who are you know they sell it to everybody and they're drinking enormous amounts of caffeine and it may not be good for them yeah um and then i get someone from wherever who dispels it completely yeah okay yeah. You know, so at this point, you know what I do? I just took the whole thing down. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a social media manager for um, one of my clients and it's in the medical field and, you know, they've kind of given me autonomy to post informative articles to their customers. With that kind of situation, I can't really have a voice because I'm not a medical professional. Right. But at the same time, I still have to go find articles and read them and find out if they're valid. Right. And what I find is that just what you said, I mean, I read so many articles. I mean, I cannot even in that one arena. That's just one client. So I've, I, you end up with this knowledge base of information about this uh, particular service that they provide, right? But what I find is I find conflicting information Absolutely. constantly. So one week in my aggregator that I use to kind of feed me these articles that I need to read, uh, I'll read um, why cheese is good for X, Y, Z. And I'm trying to be vague enough, sure. but why cheese is good for X, Y, Z. And I'll go read the article and there's all kinds of information and even links. And so I go follow those. I don't, I mean, I don't have time to go down every link, but I'll read a few and go, Hey, this, this seems like there's some actual valid information. So I post it, you know, for the client in their feed. 
a month later i'm doing it again i go do my aggregator the you know cheese causes you know new study shows cheese could cause you know early onset xyz follow the links there's backup information for that too both articles are correct right well you know? and i always call that the <laughs> eggs are good eggs are bad theory and that's and that's right and yep. I'm, I'm actually it was eggs i'm mm-hmm. just saying cheese but it was eggs right. and i was like eggs cause high cholesterol you should avoid eggs yeah. and every egg yellows are high in fat and blah 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 and then the next thing you know several years down the road hey you know what eggs aren't all that bad for you yeah and i'm happy you're driving down the road everything is going just fine you're listening to the new episode of find the good news in your car and you're all stoked about trying out this zipper merge thing you've been hearing about when all of a sudden you hear that sickening tap on your windshield that's just a little too loud i've got some bad news for you you've just got yourself a rock chip unfortunately i've got some worse news if you don't take care of that rock chip it's gonna turn into a crack But I do have some good news too. You don't have to have a rock chip or a crack because I've got a way for you to take care of it ASAP. If you go to asapglassco.com right now, you can stop that chip from winding across your windshield like the Calcasieu River. I used to be terrible about getting a rock chip, saying I'll take care of that later, and then later turns into this irritating crack that just spreads from one side of my windshield to the other. I should have taken care of it ASAP by scheduling a repair with ASAP Glass. ASAP Glass is local, right here in Sulphur, Louisiana, and they're mobile. Even better, you can get a quote right from your mobile phone at ASAPGlassCo.com. ASAP Glass is owned and operated by two of my best friends, lifelong friends, Dan and Kayla Smith. Dan the Glass Man will make sure his team of glass technicians gets to your job ASAP and make sure it's done right so you can keep that windshield crack out of sight. If you do get that rock chip and you don't take care of it ASAP, that's okay. ASAP Glass does complete windshield replacements. Remember, ASAP Glass is mobile, so you don't have to worry about finding time to drop your vehicle off at their shop. You get your quote at ASAPGlassCo.com. Make your appointment with Kayla, and then before long, an ASAP Glass van is on its way to your location. That's it. I know you're probably looking at a rock chip right now. Don't wait. Take care of it ASAP. Go to asapglassco.com on your mobile device and get a quote. That's asapglassco.com. And make sure to tell Dan and Kayla you heard about ASAP Glass on Find the Good News. Kind of like the Atkins. I think of it like diet fads, like Atkins. I remember when Atkins was huge, people were losing huge amounts of weight. I mean, I knew people in my life, and they were yeah. just like melting away. And Absolutely. I'm like, oh my god, they got so thin, so fast, so fit. And they ate a cracker. Yeah. And, and then, then, you know, here we are a decade later, or 15 years later, however long that's been. And, I mean, all that's gone away. And now, you know, <laughs> there's all and this And now they're candidates stuff. for bypass surgery. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and then keto comes along. And I'm, right. I am not an expert, but I see the same sort of thing happening. And I go, well, I mean, there's information out there. And I know I'm saying this. I'd get raked over the coals for the... Well, you know, but then you the also science. look at it this way. And I think that, I think it's human nature to want the quick fix you know we want to get rich quick we want to get skinny quick we want to get beautiful quick we want to you know you know we we claim we don't have the time to do the work um you know what if you woke up every day and you looked at the food pyramid and you chose 
healthy options and you didn't eat between meals and you walked and you did all the basic bottom line things that that humans are supposed to do to stay healthy you wouldn't need atkins you wouldn't need keto you wouldn't need all of that longevity right and so i think it's it's popular if you will just for lack of a better word to follow the trends Mm. than it is to go back to basics yeah i'm a big fan of the basics Uh, i like things that last um not because i want to make everything last i also like things that dissolve you know we've actually been having that conversation at home about our buying habits and uh the one thing i've landed on is exactly that i said you know when i go shopping i either shop for durability or dissolvability Mm -hmm. if it's something that i'm going to be able to use and it has a purpose over and over and over again and it's made from materials that are last like that's why again i love cast iron i've talked about Mm -hmm. this on the show Mm -hmm. i have cast iron that belonged to my grandmother my mother my father there's a story in it that when i am gone that cast iron will be my children's and if they keep it and pass it on it can be my great-grandchildren's and the so on and so forth to me that's durability and and sustainability and i'm you know like i said before i'm a little weirdo i'm kind of all over the place i like things that have had a life before me Mm -hmm. and so i love vintage clothes vintage cowboy boots um and and i like to take things that once were one thing and turn them into something else yeah i love that um you know um i like to like the cowboy boots I have on right now are probably from the 1950s mm. and I'd love to know what their backstory was yeah. you know where have you been yeah you know they don't look like they're work cowboy boots they're probably dance cowboy boots or mm-hmm. you know something that were um probably they're in remarkable condition so they were probably special which you know i'm not always a fan of special i think if you have china use it every day don't leave it dusty on a shelf you know but um i love the idea of something having a life before i got it yeah no i totally am in line with that thinking it even even to the point where there have been times where i've actually it's probably an unpopular viewpoint too and i'm gonna say it like i've I've went to a a garage sale or a a thrift store or something and something kind of almost calls to you Mm -hmm. to be to be take me home be (laughs) with me and um that's happened a few times where uh there used to be a little vintage shop right down the street and the lady in there she was like you always come in here i said well sometimes what happens i told her is i'll be thinking about something you know driving around i'm like you know i wonder if this if there i need this in my life or i want this thing but it's like a a scratch and i'll stop in there and somebody will have just Mm -hmm. brought it in and so she was like well you know you just know and i love vintage it it invokes a feeling of nostalgia it Mm -hmm. brings back the for me anyway maybe not for everybody but for me the good feelings of my formative years oh yeah you know um and so i may walk around a thrift store two or three times a month see different things every time i go and walk out Mm empty-handed but a lot of times you know you'll see some oh my grandmother had that that's so neat now i don't need to take it home but it's nice to to be reacquainted with it yeah no i know what you mean uh, i feel that way about books sometimes yeah. especially uh encyclopedias i can remember i think about this i don't know why lately i've been thinking about this a lot 
you know, when I was six or seven years old, I spent a lot of time with my grandma's house or even younger than that. But, uh, she had this whole set of encyclopedias and I would just be bored and I would go slide the little glass Mm -hmm. cabinet open. And I remember just, I still remember the little symbol, the little foil looking thing that was stamped. It was like a atom and a rocket and like something on the side. And I'll just sit there and flip through it till something caught my eye. Well, they were, they were precious and chances are your grandmother sacrifice to get them oh yeah because they were expensive and it was you know you had the world at your knowledge yeah i mean the whole all of it was right there anything you wanted to know and now we have the internet so Mm -hmm. again instant gratification you just type it in and it's right there but you know i remember doing reports and having to pull encyclopedias and look at several different sources and and literally read stuff you know yeah um, well, you know, the guy, it's funny that we're talking about this. I didn't know what we were going to talk about. And this is interesting because, you know, when you got here, the Sulphur Fire Department was doing their inspections and stuff. And when we were standing out back, one of the guys said, hey, I know you. And I said, um, from where? And he said, well, didn't your parents have the video store here in town? And I said, yeah, yeah. And he goes, okay. He said, man, we used to go in there all the time. And he ended up saying, oh, you draw really well. And I remember he sort of had, he had all these details. And I yeah. go, man, I just crazy but he said man he said i just miss those days of going in the video store and that's not even that long ago but it's getting to be like a nostalgic thing and he said just to you know the anticipation of a movie coming out Mm -hmm. and then trying to get there and hopefully you would have a copy and then buying candy and he said there's just something different about that versus digital downloads and just you know the new series coming out and you can just consume it all really quickly guilty as charged i do it you know but he's not wrong and the library is the same concept yeah i like to just go to the library and walk around and touch books i know what you mean i love to be around books and not necessarily i may not even go in there with anything in mind um or i might have an idea of something that i thought of that you know i have a bad habit of an idea sparks me and then all of a sudden i want to know everything about it that's i and am guilty and of that. so yes. several years ago um and it was even probably before the movie titanic came out that's always been a fascination of mine and so i would go to the library and i would check out every book on the titanic <laughs> And read them and look at the pictures and, you know, and then I'd bring those back and go get some more, you know, and then I would exhaust all of it and I'm over it. I'm on to something else. Yep. I totally get what you mean. That that happens to me, I would say, probably with philosophy and, and spiritual books, because what I've found in this 20 something years of kind of chasing that coal is that one thing just constantly leads to another you know everything is built upon something else or or maybe not the whole foundation but there's these incredible figures and so when you start reading you know the works of somebody else one person you'll go they'll mention walt whitman and then they walt whitman again and that's how i discovered walt whitman at a young age i was like okay who's walt whitman i had no idea and then you get into leaves of grass and I'm like, okay, I've got to know everything about Walt Whitman. Why does he write like this? Who was the man and watching documentaries and Mm -hmm. yeah, I get it. And it's like, you consume it. And then it's like, 
Okay. But it's so fast and now furious I'm and I'm on to something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I'll do that with authors too. I'll read a book. If I like the author, now I'm on a mission. I got to read everything they wrote. Yeah. You know, it may not get through every book because, you know, I'm bad about if the book doesn't grab me in the per- first 35 pages or so, mm. you know, yeah, especially fiction. Life's too short to read a bad book. Yeah. I, I know what you mean. I have to shift gears um, with my reading habits from time to time because one, I love to read informational books that are just telling me about something. Mm-hmm. It's like this happens because of this, and you know, so I can really go, "Wow, I didn't understand this before," or, or a new perspective on something. Right. But then, once I've done that, I can't go do that again. Like immediately, it's just too much. Then I need some kind of a palate cleanser. Right. And uh, I'll need to read like a biography type mm-hmm. of book. You mm-hmm. know, I used to read a lot more fiction when I was younger, but I find that I don't read as much fiction anymore. And I think it may be because I'm getting that kind of satiated with uh, digital media. I think that might be why I used to I used to want to read it more, but now I want to read real stories. Right. You know, by a real. Just real tales or even real perspectives. I don't know. Well, and I'll find that I'll get hooked on an era, mm. you know, a certain, you know, typically I, I like like late 1950s to early oh. 1970s. Yeah. Um, I love the civil rights era. Oh, really? Um, and so I'll start hunting and trying to find books that take place during that period of time because I feel like we could learn so much about how things evolved and what actually happened and i'll read books from different points of view right because there's certain points of view that maybe the media wants us to have so they feed us that information but then there are other points of view about another person's perspective which was their reality yeah and so you know it's just i just find it fascinating i I get it i I totally do i love to to, the same thing one of the my favorite books is uh the seven story mountain by thomas merton and i mean he had such an interesting life and i guess from his perspective he would say it's no more interesting than anybody else's but just the way he was he's able to portray his childhood and he lived in so many different places Mm -hmm. you get these little formative slices of life but he's very good he was very good at describing the the world that he was in and in his feelings and such so i love that kind of thing yeah uh yeah i don't know i i'm right now I'm all over the place. I think I'm between, and this is no kidding, like probably eight different books right now. And I I was this morning realizing that uh, I'm about to finish one of them. And I was like, oh, I'm actually getting to the end of this one. And I was actually, (laughs) I used to not read that way. But I'm trying to not leave the books behind because like you said, I'm really fast and furious on the front end. And then I'm going, okay, I'm kind of losing my drive with this do you find you're very mood driven like based Hmm. on what kind of mood you're in that's what you're going to pick up because i'll do that i'll have three or four books going based on what kind of mood i'm in yeah i i think projects too yeah no i was just talking about this briefly with a client through email yesterday you know yesterday was a project planning day and so project planning is very mechanical you know it's date driven when is it due Mm -hmm. when does the person need the thing how much time do i need to get a proof to them so we can make all the adjustments before production you know all the way back to day do we start right well i was dealing with hundreds of inputs like that yesterday so when my mind's in that mode it's all calendars numbers mechanical it's nothing creative about it right you know it's just work and i took a minute to check my email from doing that and it was like hey i have this uh 
I have this idea and here's a few little pieces of information. So what's your best creative idea right now? And I literally went, I just was like, okay, not today, Satan. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, and, it's, and I, to be as nice about it as I could be, I was like, look, I've, my mind is the wheel is still spinning in logistics. Right. And it's probably the first time I've ever told a, a client this, right. but I said, I'm going to need some time to get out of this mode that I'm in. Need to change hats. That's right. And yeah. I'm in, and it's, it's not going to happen. And I wonder, it made me wonder, and I kind of mused about it with my wife, said, I wonder how many people do think that that is how it works, though, with creative thinking, that it's like, well, it's just something you have in you, so you can just pull it right out. Yeah, I I try to, I'm a very logical person, I'm Uh very methodical, very analytical, but I also have a creative side. Yeah. But, like, like you say, if you're busy thinking about analytical things then to go and try to be creative is not going to work right unless what you're creating requires exact numbers yeah you know like if i'm going to build a piece of dollhouse furniture the analytical part comes in handy because you know you've got to figure out what your perspective is and right you know how to cut your wood and this angles and crap like that anyway um but if i'm going to um do something else that's really creative you know draw a picture or, or something like that doesn't work you yeah. just uh, you know, like you'll sit down to do it and you're like nope not in the mood and i'm happy i know it i'm helped do you ever hear a good song on the radio that just moves you? Maybe it stirs your heart, but then it starts to move your body too? Do people around you say things like, you've got rhythm, or where do you get your energy? Well, I've got a secret for you. That might be your dance coming out, and the Whistle Stop Dance Sport might be just the job your dance is looking for. I know your first thought, but I don't have any dance experience. That's one of the good things about this opportunity. You don't need years of dance experience to do it. What Whistle Stop Dance Sport is searching for is a multi-dimensional talent. What does that mean? Okay, I'll tell you. You see, dance goes far beyond formal training, though that is a plus. Being able to dance means you can take life by the hand and let it put one arm around your waist and move to the rhythms that flow your way. To be a dance instructor at Whistle Stop Dance Sport, you'd need to have experience working with children, good rhythm, positive energy, and a personality for people. Dance Sport works to enrich children's lives by offering social, emotional, behavioral, and cognitive skills that naturally build confidence. Through dance, these children develop self-esteem, express themselves creatively, and strengthen critical thinking skills. Does the thought of affecting young lives in a positive way stimulate your mind, your heart? Do you want to do something that matters? Something that could really change the course of a young person's life? Then maybe that's why you heard about this dance instructor position with Whistle Stop Dance Sport. You can send your resume or letter to Whistle Stop Dance Sport. 1518 18th Street, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 70601. That's 1518 18th Street, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 70601. Training dates for this position start in July 2019. So if you feel you may be right, don't wait to send in your resume. If you'd like to hear more about this position, call Whistle Stop Dance Sport at 337 515 7577. That's 337-515-7577. And if you do call, do me a favor and let them know you heard about this on Find the Good News. Just as well.
it's different modes. I mean, it's literally different modes. And I think you can blend some things together sometimes. There are projects that take both skills at the same time. Sometimes right. like um, like video. Yes. You know, when I'm out shooting video, um, typically looking for a creative angle. But very technical. That's right, because I have to think, is my lighting proper? Mm-hmm. Um, are the people going to walk through the frame at the right time? Am I using the right lens? Is my, you know, it's all these settings. And how's it going to look when I'm finished? Yeah. And put it on the screen. Exactly. Does it cut together? So sometimes I've told that to people, and I'm sure other videographers do the same thing. You're already editing while you're filming. Most of the time you're going, okay, this is going to cut together with this, this shot. And then you'll even think of a new shot and go, you know, I need a, I need a seam. You know, this scene doesn't work if I don't have something. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's all that. And that's very, it's, it's technical slash creative. My husband was a television videographer in one of his oh, former really? employee uh, positions. He worked for KPLC okay. years ago, and then he went to BRZ in Baton Rouge. So, okay. um, of course, I know everything's changed dramatically <laughs> since those days. Though. But, yeah, he and I have had conversation about that before, too. You yeah. know, It can be a bit much almost sometimes because yeah. your brain is, for me, I've, I mean, especially being an observer, I watch my mind a lot and think, what's going on in here right well, now? Well, you're covering 360 multidimensional trying to get it to come out the way your mind thinks it should come out yeah you know yeah but yet applying someone else the variables of another person let alone your (laughs) equipment and things like that right yeah i I think a lot of times the perspective i've learned to take to kind of help me um in those types of things where there's too many things going on like that is um to look at it all as raw goods Mm -hmm. and go okay i need to create enough raw goods in this particular filming mode that i'm in so that when I get back, I can do creative editing. Right. You know, and if I don't have it come, that's why a lot of times I overshoot, you know. Oh, you, because I would think you have to. You do. Because yeah. you're going to get back into editing and just go, man, I just, you don't think you need it. And sometimes I've overshot and been like, this footage is a waste. I overshot, but I'd rather that than well, to be Well, that's where I learned about enough. B-roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's taught me a lot in the, you know, since I started with the clinic in 2008, I've had to learn how to be okay in television interviews and mm, yeah. um, which is a learned process, you know, um, and you know, kind of how to work with the videographer and the interviewer. And, and a lot of times it's the same person, you know, and provide things that they could use as B-roll and additional, you know, um, photos for, yeah, you know, information where your voiceovers and all of that kind of stuff so yeah content creating is a, is a hard job i mean and, it and can bruce be. was very helpful with that you know um and he will offer creative feedback on yeah, you did a good job with that but you know <laughs> right. and it's always been you know very helpful mm-hmm i find that these road trip episodes that we're working on trying to develop I don't want it to be like this super slick production, but at the same time, I'm going out alone, so there's nobody there to film. Right. So it's like, okay, there's a lot of challenges in that that I'm learning because yeah. I've never done, I've never been in the in the shoot. Right. I've always been behind the camera. So to be involved as a host and to film and be thinking production, but still engaged with the guests, different than that. That's why I, that's why I like the pod because the pod 
gives you that engagement. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I'm having to learn that as we decide to do these more of these road trips, that the road trip video element just needs to be a supplement, mm-hmm. a snapshot, so people can watch it and go, oh, I get where you were at. Right. But the conversation is still the content. I still don't, I don't want people to go, well, I'm just going to watch this two or three minute video. You know, I don't even think I watched the video. Oh, with that's interesting. The, with Good. the road trip, because um, I'm familiar with, or somewhat familiar with Orange Grove Cemetery, yeah. and so you know, my mind knew where you were. Yeah. And and again, uh, thanks to um, I think it was the Arts Council. Yeah, they did had the, the haunted the tour. cemetery yeah. tour. Yeah, um, brought new perspective to what goes on out there and where things are. That was really good. If you yeah, I did, didn't get to go. Oh, I hope uh, they do it again. It was really good. This year, I'm going. I'm going to do a haunted cemetery tour. Well, not haunted. They don't call it that. I don't think this uh, one was called Living Cemetery. Living, Living Cemetery. Yeah, they that do was it in good. Natchitoches too. Oh, do they? Yeah, they okay. do. They do that up in Natchitoches at the American Cemetery, and I uh, have a place, special place in my heart for that cemetery and uh i'm gonna go this year i didn't go last year because i had already had a trip planned and Mm -hmm. it was after that yeah but this year i'm gonna try to make it a destination yeah i want to see i want to be a part of it and see what they do because they had pictures and i thought man this really um in fact i'm gonna be going there in august this year and i think i'm gonna do a uh I think I'm going to do an episode of this show there, but it's just going to be me out there and just mm-hmm. reflections throughout the day. I'm going to see how it goes. I don't yeah. know. It's just been on my heart to do something like that. And I figured, you know, we'll see how it goes. Nobody has to listen to it. Let's <laughs> put it out there if somebody wants to listen yep. to it. Well, you know. I thought they did a really good job with this one. And I hope, I know it was a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and I hope that they can find other founding fathers or interesting figures um to do another dramatization like that yeah Um, i don't know how much money they made but it looked like to me it was pretty well attended i would love to go do it i mean i don't think it's at the exact same time of year as the one in natchitoches so i would really like to do it this year this one was in october okay well that's when theirs was but i bet it's not the same day I don't know. There was something last year that kept me from going to one or the other. Yeah. But I can't remember what it was. But I do remember they both kind of popped up at the same time. And I thought, oh, that's so cool They're, that communities are doing this. Right. right. You know, I read these articles about cemeteries. I, I find so much solace at a cemetery for me. Fascinating. And I think so, too. You too? Oh, absolutely. Interesting. Yes. We, have, yes. we have a lot in common. I mean, as we're talking, I'm hearing things. When's your birthday? August 14th. Nope. Okay. No. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is. But, but that, you know, the only I'm child December. thing, the spending time alone, yeah. you know, there's certain things I think that come. I wasn't an only child, but I do get what you mean, right. Jose. Um, I'm, I'm honestly <laughs> the most comfortable person I'm ever with is myself. Even when I'm having distress, I, I'm more comfortable in distress with myself than but I'm um, also the most distracting person I've ever been. Distracting. Around. Yes. Now, how so? I'd love to hear about that. What do you mean? <laughs> Because a lot of times if I'm in the middle of doing something, my mind is saying, yeah, but you could do this, but you mm. could go and do that. I mean, I'm just like, it's not ADD, but I just, you know, if I'm upstairs sewing, then I've got something in the back of my mind that I've also got going on downstairs in my crap room that I, you know, yeah. well, you, you kind of could go work on that, you know. So and you got like these subroutines yeah, kind of kicking you. And, and I point. will just bounce all over the place, yeah. you know. 
Um, so that's kind of what what I mean by distracting. You yeah, know? Um, I can I can relate to that. I for me that happens a lot with um, gardening. I, I when I start like a gardening project, and my wife has woke up many times, and it's like she'll come outside and go you've laid stones and now there's yeah. this thing and all of a sudden it's like where were you at this morning and i'm like i just got up and i was like oh i'm gonna go tend to the flowers but i start watering them and then i go you know it'd be nice right there is some rocks or okay maybe some new board and then before long i'm at lowe's or stein or wherever a clean house and like i come that. home and i come home with all these plants mm-hmm. and then i'm doing landscaping you know? right right <laughs> or yeah. repotting stuff and yeah my brain certain activities are definitely mm-hmm. I, I gotta watch it to be honest mm-hmm. with stay I'll on be, task oh yeah i'll be down the hole for sure yeah next thing you know i'm cleaning out my closet Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. that happens to me when i'm getting or when i i'm trying to minim. we all are at our house actually trying to really minimize you know what what we own and, and what we have and think you know things that we go look are we really just holding space with these things and that for me that's uh i get kind of crazy with it i'm like oh, i'm gonna get rid of this and i'm gonna get rid of that and before long <laughs> All I my clothes it, are gone. Well, and I'll <laughs> do it with clothes, um, but mostly so that I can make more stuff, hmm. which is probably not the best way to be. <laughs> but you said make yeah. more stuff, so yeah. you can make more yeah. stuff. Which yeah, which is part of the hobbies and interests, right. and they make me happy. Yeah. Um, but I also have found myself um, collecting weird things toys and stuff from Mm. my childhood era yeah um and my husband is such a good sport because i've got stuff displayed all over the place that you know my daughter said mom one of these days these dolls are going to come to life and kill you i hear you oh man i hear you i've got stuff all over the place but i like it. it makes me happy yeah you know and he's a good sport about it and i let him do his thing outside and you know we we hung his guitar and his old guitar and his new guitar and his dad's ukulele on the wall and yeah you know so um it you walk in and and you're like oh my gosh you know i can understand that and i i relate to it i mean it's almost like a a story of your life to some degree it gives you a way to touch on your your past you surround yourself with things that make you smile they don't all have to be connected and they don't have to be decorator perfect but you know (laughs) i it's up here because i like it and i want to look at it and i may change it you know i may move things around and change it christmas at my house looks like the 1960s threw up and you know it's all okay with me you know but um that's interesting i i have objects like that i mean i have i do that with uh my wife would attest to this for sure i do that with buddha heads uh, i love them i think they're beautiful they make me they make me happy they i've never found i don't own any that look just like the other but i have quite a few and it almost if you stacked them all up it would be like why so many but at the same time, for me, I've bought each one at a different time in my life. And mm-hmm. so, like, there's one hanging in my hall that I remember where I got it. And there's a, a memory attached right. to it. It's not right. that I look at it and think anything even spiritual or religious or anything. I just look at it and go, oh, it's a symbol of peace and a relaxed 
mind and a good heart and i have a memory attached to it that's well, all it and, is and you know you find yourself with those accidental collections mm, yeah and um we have standard poodles yeah. and so i have a ceramic poodle collection that was just kind of an accidental thing i got the first <laughs> one and i liked it and then i think somebody gave me one and a friend saw one at a garage sale and then went to an antique store and there was salt and pepper shakers so i got those and you know the next <laughs> yeah. thing you know you've got this accidental collection yep you know and <laughs> yeah. so anyway we I like that an accidental collection yeah, yeah more than three yeah um and you know of course the the real deal is the most fun mm. we have a good time with our dogs yeah and you know they're it's like living with perpetual three-year-olds yeah that's interesting what you mean about the real deal my wife and i talk about this a lot we were talking about our, our son you know the youngest boy and how he's growing up and he's getting smarter and his thoughts are more complex and his questions are more complex and you just watch that little child slowly disappearing but but quickly at the same time mm-hmm. you know and 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 we were sitting in the uh, our bedroom the other day and he was playing and we just looked at each other and we both had that same realization because of something he was doing and i was like it won't be long this won't be here right you know this child that sits on your lap won't be sitting on your lap anymore and it made me think of something i read and it was kind of sad actually but it was very it's a good reflection and it said consider this that one day somebody put you down and that was the last time Right. That you were ever picked up again. Right. And I was like, oh, my God. And it made me cry. I was like, wow. And then, you know, we can't really tell what that day was, but everybody has that day. Mm -hmm. Everybody had a day where that was the last time that they were held on someone's lap or picked up. And I thought, man, I mean, how sad and melancholy. But at the same time, it made me reflect on how precious these little moments are when they hug you sure or when you know you get to be there tender with them mm-hmm. you know yeah and, and my daughter will be 30 this year <sighs> wow and so you know um you still have those tender moments a lot of them really yeah but they're different they're different they're just defined differently yeah you know and as they grow which you know you're you're objective as a parent is not to raise a child it's to raise an adult Hmm, and so you know i always found with her that with each age that she became that was my favorite age Hmm, you know like when she was three oh three's my favorite age oh my gosh it's so much fun and then she became five and oh five is great this is a great age and then even through the teen years which everybody tends to talk about how horrible they are teen years were okay for us you know um and now she's 29 about to be 30 and it's kind of like i got to grow my own best friend you know yeah so that's interesting i like that rather than to be sad because it's behind me and don't you know there aren't times and there are times that i wish i could rewind her to a certain age and do it over again just because it was so much fun you can't do that so rather than to do that i just feel like each milestone each age is is the best and that's where you want to be yeah you know yeah 
I, I guess I hadn't thought of that the way you said that I formed my own best friend. That's, yeah. that's really beautiful. I hadn't really considered yeah. that. I, I guess I could say with my... Um, my daughter, she's 21. I mean, we we are, we we have a, a good relationship. I feel like with my middle child, I would say I can definitely see that. I mean, because of the nature of our conversations, you know, I'm, I'm lucky in that regard that he wants to have conversations with me. Now because, he's the one that blogs for Truth Facts and Lies. Yes, yes, yes. I've read some of his stuff. He's, yeah, actually, he's going to be going on um, Braylon Jenkins' show this Thursday night to talk about uh, Braylon does it way too late for me <laughs> I can't stay up for him I think he's uh, gonna uh, do a, a recording so I think Amanda's going on it too I saw her post yeah. something about that and I was like 11 o'clock are you kidding me yeah I'm out I, I'm I hit out. the second REM cycle by then <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean I, yeah. I, I find that I you know, I don't get enough sleep, but I definitely uh, I do enjoy the, the I little. Start I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I start early. I start earlier than eleven o'clock yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's not yeah. for lack of trying. <laughs> Braylon came on the show and uh, a few weeks ago. It hasn't aired yet, but. Um, it was on a Saturday, and he came in. I think we did it at 10 o'clock, and he was like, it's the earliest I, I've been up in a long time. And I was like, 10 o'clock's not early for me. And I thought it was interesting, the perspective when you're up all night. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, that 10 you o'clock is... shift forward a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's true. And I'm happy. I know it. This episode's Fishing for Goodies Fishbowl sponsor is Brimstone Museum and Henning Cultural Center in Sulphur, Louisiana. I don't know what you look for when you travel, but one of the things I look for when I'm putting together my itinerary is a unique museum or gallery in the city I'm traveling to. I do this almost every time I go to a new city, but if I'm being honest, I'm guilty of not always doing that very thing right here at home in Sulphur, Louisiana. That's really a shame because we have one of the most interesting, historically relevant, and culturally rich corners in any city in the country about two minutes from where I'm sitting right now. I'm talking about the Brimstone Museum and Henning Cultural Center. Have you ever really thought about why our city is named Sulphur? They've got a permanent exhibit on the history of the sulphur industry that answers that simple question and more. You really get a full scope of just how important the sulphur mining industry was to the development of Southwest Louisiana and the impact it had on the rest of the world. Yes, the rest of the world. On the same property, right next door to the museum, is the Henning Cultural Center, presenting some of the most interesting, modern, and culturally relevant local art shows I've ever seen. My dear friend Tom Trahan and the Brimstone Historical Society have really worked hard to give us this treasure, and it's a multifaceted jewel that I plan to take advantage of more often. You don't have to wonder what their hours are, or how to get there, or what shows are coming up. Just go to brimstonemuseum.org, like I did, and subscribe to their mailing list right there on the homepage. That's brimstonemuseum.org. Tom will make sure you start getting the announcements for each and every new show at the gallery. But you don't have to wait for the mail to arrive to enjoy this historical local treasure. You don't have to be guilty, like me, of overlooking a local wonder that conveniently sits next to the Grove, one of the most beautiful walking parks in southwest Louisiana. Drop in and say hi to Tom for me. Tour the museum and center, and make sure to tell Tom that you heard about Brimstone Museum on Find the Good News. Now, let's take that dive in the fishbowl. This has been a lot of fun, but you know what time it is. I don't. Fishbowl do. time. Do you like the fishbowl? It's okay. Yeah? Yeah. 
Yeah. Some well, people. We'll jump, see. I'll let people, you know after I pull a question. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you get three. You pull a question, right? You pull them. I pull, you pull them. them and read them and then we'll talk about it. All right. Let's see. Oh, would you rather? Ah, would you rather make people laugh or make people think? Ooh. Easy. Make people laugh. Make people laugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah? yeah? Why is that? I don't know, because I, I just, I like to laugh. It makes you feel good. It, does, it releases endorphins. Um, I've always been kind of a person that has a pretty good sense of humor. At least I think that. I could be totally wrong. <laughs> Thank goodness this isn't a call-in show, right? Somebody call in. No, she does not have a good sense of humor. Um, I just, I like to laugh. A lot of times I do it like it's cerebral humor. Yeah. Um, something that makes you go, wait, what? Yeah, then, like makes you think. And then huh? it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you do like, so, you do a little bit of both. Uh, I guess. Sometimes it's just stupid slapstick stuff. You yeah. Know? Do you have a favorite comedian? Or do you listen to comedy? <laughs> I'm going to date myself. One comedian that used to like make me laugh so hard was David Brenner. Do you remember uh, no, him? No, I don't remember. He was from the 70s, and he was kind of like a Stephen Wright, George Carlin okay. sort of, uh, you know, but he was funny. Yeah. I don't know. I, he just cracked me up. Yeah, I love comedy, too. Yeah, yeah. And, and I don't watch comedy that often. I mean, I like TV shows that make me laugh. Yeah. But, um, you know, he was, I always thought he was pretty funny. I like George Carlin. He's funny. Oh, yeah. I still you know, love George Carlin. Right, now. right. Um, so I guess it's both, you know, because Carlin's humor is pretty cerebral. Yeah, he definitely um, pushed people to think, uh, yeah. break the norms of their thinking. Right. I think I think Carlin was unique in that way, yeah. honestly. He, he, in fact, as he got older, he became more of a philosopher, I think. Yeah. For sure. Right. You know, kind of a Zenarchy uh, perspective. I, I really appreciate a lot of what he says. I don't always agree with it, but I feel like he's that he was that guy that was using comedy to hit you in the head and mm-hmm. wake you up from your delusion. Like that was mm-hmm. really what he did. Mm-hmm. Even if he was saying something, I guess I'm reading and rereading um, one of his books right now. What is it called? Uh, Again, it's in my loop of books. Yeah. I think it's um, When's Jesus Bringing the Pork Chops or something like that. <laughs> and he has a lot of, uh, there's a, definitely a lot of religious and spiritual stuff in there. And he breaks through a lot of hypocrisies that are out there. And sometimes it's pretty crass. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I go, you know, I wonder how many folks who are religious are going to read this and just go, I'm not reading this because it offends and i i just don't take that perspective when i read him i go it's not my job to be offended it's my job to go what is he trying to do here like he's not trying to break my religion he's trying to actually make it better in in a lot of ways i've my observation lately is offended is the new black Mm. (laughs) i think everybody not everybody that's that's um, i know what you mean though so many people are offended by so much sure and it's like it makes you almost censor everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, again, if you're offended by it, walk away from it. Scroll on by. You don't yeah. need to let everybody know how offended you are. Don't call attention to it and yourself yeah. by declaring how offended you are. Yeah. 
you know yeah i've actually found myself entering into territory where i go okay i don't necessarily agree with what everybody's saying in here but i also maybe don't know enough right so i've been getting to the point where i get into a, a comment thread i go hey maybe i disagree but i only disagree because i don't know Right. Right. So maybe one of you can tell me. And honestly, I've watched whole conversations just shift into mm-hmm. an education mode mm-hmm. and link sharing and stuff. And so I'm not saying like I changed it, but I mean, I'm just you saying could have. That, but maybe. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I mean, look, I can't go in going, oh, well, yeah, well, your perspective is complete, you know, bonkers. You know, let me tell you why mine's the right one. That's right. that's. If I can always go in and go, look, I know what I again, where we started. Right. I know what I know, but I don't know what I don't know. And if you have something. Now, granted, sometimes people share things and it's like, you go, okay, well, that's just another opinion they sure. shared. It is an actual information. Right. Uh, so I don't know. Yeah. That's a good question. I love that because I think comedy makes you think. I listen to a lot of comedians' podcasts and the ones that I tend to go back to are the ones that are using it to like get you thinking about something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Good, good choice. Okay. And another one. Would you rather breathe underwater or walk through walls? Oh, wow. That's I, interesting. I want to breathe underwater. Why? Because I love to swim. Do you? Yes. Yeah. I like water. I, I would prefer to be outside. If I could be outside in water, I'm happy, happy, happy. Yeah. Um, I think I would like that, too. Yeah. I would love to be able to go somewhere, you know, tropical and swim and be able to you know, like scuba dive without having to worry about, which I don't scuba dive, so, you know. But Have you ever been? No, I have not. You should. It I've, sounds like something you'd love. I've done snorkeling, yeah. and I enjoyed snorkeling, um, but I'd love to be able to go and see all of that without wow. having to worry about the constraints of the equipment. Yeah, no, I get And if that. you could breathe underwater, you know you'd be able to do that i'm going to send you a link to a documentary you may have already watched it but i think you'd enjoy it it's uh, this guy tells a story in there it's it was sort of a random thing i think it's hmm i can't remember the name of it but i have it saved i'll send it to you okay but the guy has an experience snorkeling really powerful um interesting little short 30-minute documentary but definitely worth your time i'll good. send it to you though Great. Yeah, it's really Great. good I, since you since you said that i think you'd like it okay so the last one i'm gonna ding deep no another would you rather yeah would you rather be incredibly smart or be incredibly popular hmm. i don't think i want to be incredibly anything yeah that's a good perspective what do you mean um, by that I don't know. I feel like incredibly equates to over the top. Yeah. And I don't know. Um, I, I would like to have above average intellect and I would like to have friends. Yeah. You know. How important is that to you, friendship, having friends? As somebody who was an only child and likes to spend time by themselves, what's well, the Well, I love people. You know, I like people. I have a lot of acquaintances. I have... I have friends. I have people who I can count on, people who I can confide in, people who being with makes me feel better than being without. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would, I think probably this one, I'd like to be kind of, I'd like to be intelligent, but not the kind of person who puts it in your face. And whenever they say be incredibly smart, I equate that with um, maybe arrogance or being pompous. Yeah. And I don't, 
I would never want to be that. Um, being incredibly popular, I feel like, to me, what that is saying is um, that you will do and say anything to garner likes. Oh, yeah, okay. And that's become sort of the new popular, yeah? Right. And so I don't want to be either of those things. I just want to be intelligent enough to get through this life and have enough friends to make it worth living. Yeah. What does friendship look like to you? I mean, because that could mean different things to different people at different times of life. What is that like for you now? What is friendship? It's someone who I enjoy their company. We have... um, shared values shared Mm. likes don't necessarily have to have shared life experiences but have to have compassion for what the other person has gone through empathy yeah um you i feel like it needs to be someone that you can talk to with the confidence that you know your business isn't going to be on the street the next day Mm, yeah um confidentiality sure. sure um i think that um I don't know. I think it's somebody that lifts you up and doesn't tear you down. Yeah. Do you have a lot of people around you in your life like that? I have enough. You have enough. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm a pretty content person. So, you know, um, yeah, I'm not saying I'm not in the market for new friends because I'm always in the market to meet new people and form new companionships. Yeah. But I'm not. I mean, I have I think I have enough of everything. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It's weird. No, it's not weird. It actually makes me smile. You can tell by my look on my face. I don't, you don't always hear that from people. Yeah. I don't always hear that. I don't always hear contentment, you know, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing or unrealistic. I just, it's a nice thing. Well, I to, think you can choose to be happy or you can choose to let outside influences make you unhappy. Mm. And you can choose to be grateful. And if you're busy counting your blessings, you don't have time to sit back and look for all the things you think you don't have. Yeah. Or you think you need. Right. Um, You know, I look around and I see so many people who have far less than you and I have. Sure. And then how in the world, when you do that, when you look outside yourself, how can you think you need more? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, because it's definitely there's definitely not a balance to the right. to the, to the what and we I think have. too, you know, one thing that I find too is that if you ever feel down or just a little like you need a lift, go out and help somebody else. Mm. You know, we use volunteers in our clinic all the time, and through that, it really has. You asked me earlier, what has this job taught me? It's taught me that. If you have a hand, offer it to someone else. Yeah. You can make a difference by helping. You know, I, I volunteer through pet therapy. Um, I have volunteered for other nonprofit organizations. Our church has started a volunteer program at a local school. Um, and, you know, people are like, oh, gosh, you know, you must really make a difference. You know, yeah, the biggest difference it makes is in me, though. Mm. I love that. Yeah. The difference, sure, it makes a difference to the people who you're helping. But when you leave from doing it, you have an overall sense of well-being. You have an overall appreciation for the lives that you've touched, you know. 
um, we started a little lunch buddy program at the school and um, we've only piloted it so we've had like maybe four or five and it's mostly people from our church who a lot of them are you know age 65 and older um because they are the ones that don't work Mm. um i'm off on fridays so i get to go you know once a month on friday and just sit and and visit with these kids and there's no objective there's no agenda other than just to provide an opportunity for them to have conversation with an adult who has made them a priority yeah even if it's just for a little while you know how much value is there in that yeah yeah. Oh, because some of them may be coming from households where there's multiple kids and working parents and everybody's busy and they don't get that one-on-one or two-on-one or, you know, we're going to hopefully grow the program to where it has a little bit more meaning over the next year. But we just kind of wanted to try it out to see how the kids interacted, you yeah. know, with adults that they didn't know in their lunchroom, you know. Yeah. And it's fun. You know, you ask them questions if you had a thousand dollars what would you do to make the world better mm-hmm. you know and and you know some of their little answers were really good yeah so you know just interesting conversation with little people you didn't know before yeah yeah it's amazing what's inside of a child yeah you know i, yeah. I find that with my own children quite often these things will come out and i go where's this coming from right you know this little seed of wisdom um, and you want to help them nurture it. You know, I've, I think about that. We, we've had, we've tried to grow oak trees in pots, you know, to get them started for years. And this year we're finally having some success. They're actually, you know, taking and mm-hmm. staying healthy. A lot of times they don't make it for us right. past that initial stage. But it's kind of, I was thinking about that the other day, how that kind of feels like what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, you get, you see this little acorn inside of a kid and it's like, Ooh, there it is. Mm-hmm. Now, how can I you know help that one right you know how can right. i help that thing stay there and, and grow and become firm and solid and branch out that's a that's a wonderful thing yeah but you know just to volunteer to help i mean it doesn't have to be anything organized could be you're leaving walmart and there's an elderly person struggling to get groceries in the car you know the difference you might make in that person's day is going to come back to you tenfold when you go get in your car and you think hey you know what that made a difference. Yeah. And if you can do yeah. that, what else can you do? Right. You know, you, you're talking my language, man. You're talking about using your life in, in an experimental and an experiential way in the service of others. And you're transforming yourself. Yeah. And by transforming yourself, you're changing the world, right? right. Well, you know, I don't want to take all that credit, but well, you, know, I mean, you try. You change one thing. Yeah. You know, something has changed. Kind of like the starfish analogy. <laughs> What's that? The, guy, the guy's walking down the beach, and he's tossing starfish back into the sea, and somebody sees him doing it, and there's just, like, tons of starfish uh, on the beach that have yeah. washed up, and they're going, man, you're going to work yourself to death, and you're not going to make a difference. There are millions of these starfish out here. And he looks over, and he says, I made a difference to that one. To that one, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes that's what can lead to maybe sort of despair and i know for me i've had moments of despair where you look around and you see like sort of this uh, manifold problems that just keep branching out and you know it's a bit overwhelming I, in fact the other day um someone's 
kind of was in a thread about plastic consumption and really just raking everybody over the coals for doing anything. Like, yeah. you, you know, using your bottles, whatever. You're not making a difference. You haven't even made one thing because Coca-Cola is going to produce this much more each year. And real naysaying. And I was like, you know, that's sort of the opposite of the attitude I want to have. And somebody made a great post. And it's like, you know, we, we start with the straw to get to the bottle. We get to the bottle to get to the plate. And, and I was like, yeah, that's the right attitude. You know, that's, you know, not that the other person is wrong for being in despair, because that's essentially what they were in. They're trapped in a worldview of despair. You know, sure. where it's hopeless. So why do anything? It says more about them than you. Yeah. So to so do your thing. Yeah. You know, whatever it may be, whatever you care about, do your little thing. And it does move the needle and especially if you have it within you to be a teacher not not a, not a school teacher but if you can make a teaching moment mm-hmm. i think that's great right you know and i don't mean finger pointing i think some people mistake finger pointing for teaching but i think yeah if you can do a thing if you've changed your own lead life, by example yeah, show somebody else mm-hmm. you know show them the, show them the easiest thing right you know and maybe they'll get to the hard thing yeah yeah so how do uh, people find you if you want them to find you online and then also the, the clinic? Well, I'd prefer they find the clinic because there that is um, one main reason why I'm here is not for me. That was just secondary, but um, because I would like for people to know about the clinic. Yeah, me and, too. And the fact that we are out there to help people. Right. Um and we are a very welcoming and warm environment. I had a, a former patient tell me, well, actually, she didn't tell me. She talked about it in an interview with a television reporter, how she was intimidated to come the first time because it was, quote, a free clinic, end quote. Interesting. And I okay. thought, you know, I never thought about it that way. So there's a stigma? Like yeah, a, okay. yeah, yeah, and you know, how are they going to treat me, and how hmm. how will I feel going over there for charity, or you know, right, right. And I guess that's one of those things where we're so busy viewing the world from our seat that we don't slow down enough to think about the world from someone else's seat. Yeah. Um, so if you are listening, or you know someone who's listening, um, or who could use our help. Um, we're there we're nice people we are just regular i've got volunteers lay volunteers who have been coming since the clinic opened in 2001 people who are committed to making the world a healthier place so that these people can continue to go to work and support their families um doctors and nurse practitioners that come to treat the patients you know we're we're just there to help you know come see a doctor see if you need lab work or you know anything like that if you haven't been feeling well um give us a call at 337-478-8650 or find us on the web at www.calgashucommunityclinic.com and we'll put links in the uh, description as well um and you know 90 percent of the time if you call you get to talk to me really yeah I didn't realize that. Yep. So um, there's just two of us now, uh, myself and our RN clinic coordinator, Jean Kamla. And um, we're both really nice people. Well, see, and I know that you said, you know, this is about the clinic, but ultimately it's also about the hearts and minds that are there. And I think that uh, that's interesting knowing that you are ground floor like that, that, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. granted. Hey, patients, patients come in on Thursday and... 
I'm up front greeting them and sometimes I'll do their screening and you know give them a little 411 about how the evening's going to go so that they know what to expect. I find that people tend to do better if they know what to expect versus sitting there waiting on what they don't know. Sure. Um and so uh you know we're just regular people and you know if you need to see a doctor we will help you. Um now we you know we're not an emergency room so if you're having an emergency if you're short of breath or having chest pains don't wait till thursday and come see us you know um but you know if you have seasonal allergies or you know you you feel like you might have high blood pressure and you probably need to be checked out need some medication or you know if you've been diagnosed as diabetes lost your insurance can't afford your medication those types of things that's all things that we can help with that's wonderful and y'all are located for people who don't know y'all are located at the corner of what sale and and common Common. we are um i've been told one of the only free clinics or maybe even the only free clinic housed within a state university Mm. in the nation okay and uh, we are fortunate enough to be guests of mcneese state university we utilize the clinic area um on Thursday afternoons um, and we also have volunteers who are um, make students from time to time oh wow mm-hmm. okay yep. that's awesome yeah so um, yeah it's really I mean it's a great setup I had someone ask me the other day are y'all really happy there I said are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> well I've been and it's a nice are facility. you kidding me it's like state-of-the-art doctor's office you yeah, know it is. Um, plus you walk in flip a switch and the lights come on <laughs> and I don't have to do any kind of building management or organize any kind of maintenance or anything like that it is such a blessing to us to be there yeah so that's definitely good news for people in calcasieu imperial calcasieu imperial calcasieu five parish area yeah Allen Beauregard, Calcasieu, Cameron, and Jefferson Davis parishes. Yeah, that's extensive. It is. Yeah. It is. I really do appreciate you coming over and talking about it and, hey. and sharing your heart with everybody. It was fun. Yeah. 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 What you expected? Well, hopefully if you edit me smart, it will be. I'll, I'll do my best to edit you smart, which Thank is you. in this case probably no editing at all. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thanks for coming. Thank you, Oren. I love you just. Thanks for listening to this episode of Find the Good News. If you would like to advertise on this show or sponsor an episode, just visit findthegood.news. Send me a message and we'll see about getting your business, organization, service, product, or event on the show. I deeply thank each of you again for supporting this podcast.